Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast. Okay, wait, wait. Yes? Don't come in with a recorder if your mom... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sherry. Yes? Can you please explain what is going on? What are we listening to? (laughs) Well, my teens... Hi. (laughs) ...have been having a whole lot of fun together Mm -hmm. recently. And it's such a refreshing change that I started to record when I would hear them having so much fun. I started to try to capture some of this. Sherry... Doc Project producer Sherry Okeke has been recording this new phenomenon of her daughters hanging out happily often enough that they now anticipate that it's her when they hear a knock. Hence the don't come in if your mom with a recorder. But they don't actually mind. They're in on this. They're just teasing me and giggling and having fun together, which is precisely why I wanted to record them because... It hasn't always sounded like that in my house during this pandemic. This is a sentiment I think a lot of pandemic parents can relate to. That home, with everyone crowded in together, has become a bit intense. Sometimes just straight up tense. It was actually very tense in our house, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was it felt like it was going to be, uh, I guess, from a parent perspective, a bit of a nightmare forever. It felt like at one point. But then something happened. Something changed. I'm E.C. Rowe, and this is The Doc Project. In addition to being a Doc Project producer extraordinaire and the mother of two teenage daughters, Sherry is the creator and co-producer of Mic Drop, a podcast that's all about teens. You've probably heard me mention it on this show before. Sherry actually just got nominated for a Peabody for Mic Drop. It's all to say, she does a lot of stories with and about teenagers. Just not usually her own teenagers. Until this one broke through. My husband and I talked to them to find out if they wanted to do this. Do they feel comfortable sharing some of their experience? And they they decided, yes, we do. They hope that maybe someone else their age may benefit from hearing what they've gone through together. What they've gone through together. The pandemic has been hard on everybody, but especially on kids and teenagers. And so their parents... Sherry's family was no exception. But there was something else going on with her daughters that the pandemic brought to the surface. Sherry and her daughters, Adora and Leona, will take us back to the beginning. 
So I'm Leona, I'm 14. I have an older sister, Adora, who is 16. Um, I'm very into things like theater and acting. She's very much into things like engineering and sciences. I, I also like sciences. I'm Adora and I'm 16. Uh, I'm the older sibling. Right? Everyone thinks that we're twins because Leona looks older than her age and I look younger and kind of sound a little bit younger than my age. Like teachers still ask her if she's my sister, which I'm sure annoys her as much as people thinking she's older annoys me. So I, I think it's pretty even. Me and my sister didn't exactly get along before the pandemic, but it definitely got a lot worse when the pandemic hit because at least before the pandemic, we would be able to have some time apart when we were at school or something. We'd be able to socialize and we'd be able to talk to our other friends and not always have to be around each other. Um, but when the pandemic hit, we were just like constantly together and we weren't used to that. I don't think we were talking a lot um, before the pandemic. So when you're not talking a lot, you can't fight. But then when you're like one of the only three people that you see every day, you have to talk. So then we like started to fight. It all started with the laundry. Yes, laundry had my teens at each other's throats. You see, they're each responsible for doing their own laundry. Sounds simple, except in our home, which is very old, and I like to think full of character, to get to the laundry room, you have to walk through a bedroom, Adora's bedroom. It wasn't really a problem before COVID. We'd just get it done when she wasn't around. But once we were all home all the time, the path to the laundry room became a battleground. I would really want to do my laundry and Adora would just be so protective over me not going to her room and I would just get frustrated and do it anyways. So she would kind of just open the door and like go into the laundry room, but like without knocking. And she would like never knock and it would drive me crazy. And I was like yelling at her that she'd have to knock and I'd have to talk to her every single time. And we would have these like screaming matches and the entire family was just so upset. My husband and I would hear the girls raising their voices and we'd take a breath, hoping they'd sort it out but it would get louder and louder, and then we'd hear doors slamming. That spikes the blood pressure around here because we live in a triplex and share walls with neighbors on both sides. Door slamming is just unacceptable, so we'd jump in to make that clear. Then the yelling would turn toward us, each girl arguing her case, how she was wronged by her sister, no one understands, least of all us parents. There'd be tears, chaos, and by the time it would all settle down, we were exhausted. It's like we're all together all the time. So like the room, like my room is like, I'm, that's where I can be alone. So just barging in, is that's really annoying because it's like, it's my room. You can't come in, but everyone needed to do laundry. So, and it's not like, you know, you could do it when I'm not home or like, anything like that so like that was also really difficult to navigate and like we tried to make a schedule but then there was always an emergency. Adora is using the word emergency pretty loosely here. Leona wasn't going anywhere anyway so how urgent could a load of laundry really be? 
It wasn't. It just became one of many things Adora and Leona were arguing and arguing about. And it started to get to me. When my girls were little, they had such a sweet bond. I mean, yes, there were disagreements. Adora always hugged Leona too tightly, and Leona was very rigid about the rules of any game they would play, and that wouldn't always end well. But there were so many spontaneous hugs, lots of giggling. They'd dress up in costumes together, and so often they'd just burst into song. Like when they were about four and six years old and found out we were going on a very special trip to Disney. We're going to go to Cinderella's castle. Today? <laughs> I just have this memory of them spontaneously holding hands and starting to dance in a circle singing together. They were so little, and I remember having this feeling that this is so beautiful. This is what I want for them. It warmed my heart to think they'll never be alone. They'll always have each other. Adora and Leona seemed closer to each other than my husband and I are with any of our many siblings. That's why, with the yelling and slamming doors, I started to think about my girls losing that. And that scared me. The way they were yelling at each other, I was convinced they didn't even like each other anymore. As a journalist, I do a lot of stories with teens and kids, so I was fully aware that many teens were struggling being at home. But as a mother, I was starting to wonder about all this intense fighting. Is anyone else dealing with this? Or is it just a mess at my house? That is a-okay. So I called up Delia Noel. Like I said, I will do anything to help you. She's a youth and family counselor with AMCAL Family Services in Montreal. I've interviewed Delia for several stories about teens. This was the first time I've told her what's going on with mine. I've heard a lot about teens and young adults talking about feeling like they're in a pressure cooker. Like the pandemic took away their natural escape resources the you know being able to hang out with friends or being able to even go to the library or or go to a cafe they couldn't do that they were at home 24 hours a day a lot of them and not just at home but stuck in a room right so you put yourself in that situation and right away anybody that you see is going to be the one to get the brunt of how you're feeling right and that cue sibling Uh, who is just doing their own thing and feeling the same way themselves, right? So then, you know, uh, uh, you stole my shirt becomes this huge issue that really, it's not a big deal, but it's, it's weighted with the emotions of everything else during the pandemic. Okay, there was no shirt stealing. I don't even want to think about the fight that would lead to. But I get what Delia is saying. It's not just about laundry, it's about everything else. For Adora, my eldest, everything else was schoolwork. She was in Sec 4 when the first lockdown happened in Montreal. That's grade 10 here, and it's the most high-pressure year for high school students, because those grades count the most for getting into Quebec's Cégep system, a kind of junior college once you graduate from high school. Add COVID and distance learning to the mix, and Adora's stress was boiling over. 
I was like really freaking out about school because we had been warned about this since like the beginning of high school that suck four term three that's gonna be what Seijeps look at even like the teachers didn't know if if we were gonna have end of year exams like no one knew what was happening uh so that's why I was really stressed and all these tools that I had used throughout the years to survive school were suddenly all gone and I didn't know how to cope with that those tools or strategies really are critical for Adora. I was diagnosed with dyslexia when I was nine. So homework takes me longer and it's harder. So to keep up with classmates, I developed these different strategies. Um, but the pandemic made it harder for me to use those. Like um, I, whenever I had an issue in class or with an assignment or whatever, I would talk to a teacher before or after class because writing emails is not my strong suit. However, during the pandemic, I could only really contact my teachers over email. Um, and that was hard because I always need to get it checked because of my difficulty writing I get someone in the family to read it over, maybe point out some grammar mistakes I made, sometimes rephrase a sentence, and I always do that before I send it off, and sometimes I have to get them checked uh, a few times because I have to go and I have to change something, and then I get it checked again, but then I have to change something else. It would almost be like an extra assignment. It just, it felt really long and tiring, um, and I also tend to overthink it doesn't have to do with the dyslexia, but I tend to overthink things. With all that nervous energy focused on school, Adora had no patience for her sister. She just seemed like she was always in a bad mood, and she would just kind of like snap at, at moments. I didn't understand it, and that made me really annoyed and mad at her. For me, it felt like I was doing so much work, and I was trying to get organized, but it was really hard. And then for her, she had, like, a bunch of work to do. But I also didn't get it because her marks this year didn't matter as much. So it felt like, you know, how are you so stressed? Like, I'm drowning here. But Leona was also struggling. She's always been strong academically. But staying focused and organized is a challenge. Before COVID, she was diagnosed with anxiety. So school from home was hard for her, too, just in different ways. There was... This very confusing time in COVID where they kept saying work is mandatory, work is not mandatory. The teachers didn't really know what was going on either. So they were just kind of giving us work and just trying to do everything that they could. But it was really overwhelming. And for Leona, having the whole family around all the time was much more difficult than we realized. I used to have a lot more alone time and I liked that alone time. And suddenly everyone was home all the time. And I just felt like I never had a break from socializing. I felt like I went from being exhausted at school to being exhausted socially constantly. And I just never got a break. And that was super overwhelming for me. There was just like no chance to step back and breathe. But while they were both feeling crowded, they were also both lonely because of the overthinking and the dyslexia, it's also very tiring to text. And that's why I would avoid it, which I would realize long periods of time would go by before I text any of my friends. Um, and 
then I would start to worry, like, am I losing all my friends? I definitely miss my friends. It was definitely like a really big adjustment for me because I lost communication with so many people because we mainly only talked about things in person. Adora and Leona wanted to be with their friends and instead they were stuck with each other. The hardest part was probably that we were never getting along. So we were always together, but always angry at each other. And that definitely put like a lot of negativity in the house and made everyone upset. We were just all taking our anxiety and stresses out on each other. And that definitely made it worse than it was before. Remember those fights about the laundry room? They were starting to happen in the middle of the night. I wanted to do my laundry the next day, and she just kept saying no. And it was around the time that we were going to bed, and we were just, like, having a screaming match at 1 a.m. And it woke you guys up, and the entire family was just upset. So they didn't actually wake us up, but they absolutely prevented us from getting sleep. Their arguments would start super late, just as my husband and I were trying to wind down for the night, after what felt like endless days of Zoom meetings. We were exhausted, and the door slamming would start. First, we'd panic that they'd wake up the neighbors. Then, by the time everything would settle down, it was sometimes 1 a.m. But forget about getting any sleep. I'd just be lying there thinking, is this our life now? And we were just, like, constantly really angry at each other. And she probably didn't talk to me for like two days after that. They didn't want to talk to each other, but I had a talk with them. Honestly, I kind of lost it. Not my proudest moment as a parent. I had no idea what I was going to say. I just opened my mouth and my dad's words started coming out. I'm not going to live forever. You two need to be there for each other. Then I abandoned my dad's script, and suddenly the words tumbling out of me were all my own. I'm not asking you to like each other. I don't care if you like each other. But you need to show each other respect. Fake it if you have to, because you don't want to do irreparable damage to your relationship. One day, your sister will be the only person who's known you all your life. Do not destroy that connection. Okay, so the pandemic was getting to me too. My anxieties were now laid out right in front of them. And how did the girls react? Blank stares. I didn't think it was as big of a deal as um, as you thought it was. Part of me was thinking we're not fighting about anything major. Um, it's just little things that happen when you live with somebody and we're all just really stressed. I was thinking mom's being dramatic. Oh yeah, I'm the dramatic one. So I was obviously worried, but how are you feeling about your relationship then with your sister? So I didn't feel like it was really damaging anything, but I also wasn't sure because it's very hard to, you know, I can't tell the future. I was just kind of like, I'm not a fan of her right now. I'm not happy. Um not a fan but I wasn't thinking like oh my god it's going to be like completely irreversible I'm never gonna have a sister mom's gonna die and I'm not gonna have anyone to hang out with mom and dad are gonna die it's gonna be just us blah 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 I was not thinking that no that was definitely just you just me my rant obviously did nothing to bring the girls together 
and I had no clue what I should be doing. I admitted this to Delia, the youth and family counselor. I was cringing as I told her about my outburst, but she was completely unfazed. The sibling dynamic and the sibling relationship, it's up to them to work through. It's up to them to recognize that they are important to one another. And so I think it's for parents today to, you know, if they come to you, say, well, you guys need to figure this out. And if you don't, and if I hear that level of yelling again, you're both going to get held accountable for it. So there's some issue right now that you guys need to work out. Let them work it out. Because if you as the parent get involved, then you're taking sides, right? And then it becomes, why do you always take her side? And then it's about you instead of being about them. So it's like, you guys have the capacity to do this. I trust in your ability to work through this as sisters who love each other. Now go to it because mom, mom needs to read her book. And, and really leaving it to them. Except I wasn't reading many books. I was either working or refereeing. I think what we're seeing more is that because of the COVID fatigue, we'll name it that, parents are just, they're really tired. You know, they were tired before, but now they're exhausted. So the thought of, you know, doing everything that needs to be done for parenting is really, for some people, it's overwhelming. It really is, which is why we're talking more and more about self-care and self-compassion. Like, how are you taking care of yourself to be able to sustain the energy you need to sustain to make it through this marathon? So I decided to get more exercise, a solid hour of cardio every day to help bring my stress down. We asked the girls to stay out of each other's way and no more yelling. And at this point, they seem to agree on only one thing. We like watching TV together, which doesn't sound very good, but it is actually really nice to just, because when you're really tired from doing your classes, um, it is nice to just kind of relax and like watch a TV show together. They'd watch a favorite show and discuss everything about it. Finally, some peace. So I caved and allowed something that to me was unthinkable before the pandemic. Dinner in front of the TV every night. Another confession I made to Delia. At this point, we're not worried about, we'll deal with the repercussions of a lot of uh, quote unquote bad habits later. Right now, everybody's in survival mode. So. I think that this is a fantastic thing that you're doing with your family because you're spending time together. You're spending time together and you're processing the shows that you're watching so you're communicating more. So you're 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 spending the time that you have in a really constructive way as a family. So I say go for it. So I'm working out every day, we're eating supper together, chatting about their favorite shows, and I'm ignoring any disagreements I hear until I can't. And I just remember having this, like, huge fight where I can't even remember what it was about, but we just had this huge fight. I don't remember what Leona said to Adora, but the tone was just so unacceptable, my husband and I had to speak up about it. But Leona kept fighting us and fighting us, insisting she'd done nothing wrong. It was a long night of tears and back and forth about what tone is acceptable and finally, Leona told us she can't distinguish an appropriate tone 
from an inappropriate tone. She can't hear the difference. She also told us she didn't know where she'd gone wrong with her sister and that that's often the case. I was not picking up on her social cues and that was just making her more angry and that was making me more angry because I had no clue why she was angry. That point about social cues stopped us in our tracks. And Leona explained it happens with people outside the family too. That's why she's so anxious all the time. She's constantly afraid of making mistakes in social situations. And that's kind of when we started to wonder if I have autism or not. The therapist who'd been helping Leona with anxiety suggested we get her assessed for autism spectrum disorder. It took a few months to get that appointment, but once we did, the diagnosis came pretty fast. AC here. Coming up, a diagnosis that could change how Leona and Adora understand each other. That's next. What if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. In October of 2020, one of my doctors said he was confident that I had ASD, autism spectrum disorder. This happened over a Zoom call, and in the moment, Leona didn't really react. Or I should say we couldn't read her reaction. Her facial expression didn't change. But my husband and I felt like we could finally exhale, now that we had an idea of what was going on and where to look for help. We opted to also get a thorough evaluation that's done over several weeks. That took a few more months, and it confirmed the diagnosis, ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder. But even after that first conversation over Zoom, Leona seemed relieved and happier. Getting the diagnosis was interesting because I did research on it, and I talked to my doctors about it, and I kind of realized that I never fully noticed how different my mind works than everybody else around me. And so that was kind of big for me. That was kind of me realizing like, whoa, the way that my brain works, the way that I speak, think, and act is different than everybody else. And I just never realized that before. When you are a kid and something happens where you get really upset or someone else gets really upset at you, and you never find out why, it's very easy to make that mistake again. Or it's very easy for the other person to make the mistake again because they don't understand that you are neurodivergent. Things at home were starting to calm down. It changed my relationship with my sister a lot because we just, we understood my mind just a little bit 
better even if we didn't know a lot about autism even if I didn't understand the difference in between how their brains worked and how my brain worked it made a difference because we understood that it was different when I first heard about her diagnosis I was like yeah this totally makes sense this explains a whole lot just like her behavior, like it kind of makes sense because there are all these times where she said that like she didn't understand or like we'd have to repeat something to her multiple times and like she still wasn't picking it up. Ever since she was a toddler, Leona was getting in trouble for her tone. We had no idea that she truly did not understand. Too often, we just thought she was being rude. I'm still working through some guilt about that. But for Leona, this diagnosis is bringing some clarity. My family would look back at moments um, from my childhood and be like, that makes, that makes a little more sense now. When I believed something was fake, I believed it was fake, and I called it as I saw it. We went to Disneyland one time, and I saw Ariel there. What you're hearing is from the same home video of our Disney trip, the one with the girls chanting about Cinderella's castle at the airport. So here, we've made it to Disney World and we're sitting in a restaurant while Disney characters walk around the room with parents snapping photos of them with their kids. And I noticed that I think her outfit or the flower in her hair was different than they showed in the movie. <laughs> and these like grown adults, like my parents, were trying to convince me, this four-year-old, that she was real. And I was just there like, absolutely not. I do not believe. And I was just so sure that if it wasn't exactly the same, it wasn't her. So I told her that I believed she wasn't the real Ariel, and I told her that she was fake. Thank you. Thank you, Ariel. <laughs> we thought that moment was so funny. Leona often seemed like a grown-up trapped in a little kid's body. And I saw her honesty as a sign of confidence, something we love about her. But as Leona got older, her honesty often made friendships difficult. And it really put a strain on her relationship with Adora. I would be saying my opinion immediately if I, like, if my sister came up to me and she showed me, like, do you like the shirt? And I didn't like it. I would straight up just be like, no. I don't think it looks good. And she would get really mad at me and she'd just think that I was this, like, annoying sister. Uh, well, it's just, like, sometimes some comments, like, uh, I think, let's say if she said, like, my hair was dry or, like, something like that, it would feel like, how dare, like, I'd be like, how dare you criticize my hair? But, like, to her, she's just, like, kind of stating a fact and, like, or, like, letting me know so I could fix it. Um, so now I understand that. So like if she were to say that today, I would just be like, okay, she's just like saying something. I don't love it, but like it, I know that she's not trying to hurt my feelings or anything. And she would get really mad at me because I have a lot of sensory issues and I was not very good with hugs and physical contact. And she would get really mad at me when I really, really didn't want her to hug me. 
she would think that I just was like rejecting her, but I was actually just so uncomfortable with physical contact that I couldn't have my own sister hug me. I would even like touch her shoulder or something and like she would move it as if like, you know, get out of my face kind of thing. Um, And I would always be really annoyed with that. I'd be like, what is the big deal? Um, Because I didn't understand. So like now I know better that when she like gets annoyed with me hugging her or something is because of her I can't remember if it's sensory or personal space issues or both but I do know that it's that and not that she doesn't like me she started noticing that some of the stuff that I was doing I didn't realize when it was harsh or mean I was just kind of saying what I thought and I knew some things were socially unacceptable like I was aware Um, but I didn't fully understand a lot of things because in society and even in families, there are just like so many rules and it's really confusing. And it definitely like helped when we got my diagnosis because Adora and the whole family realized that I wasn't just trying to be this like annoying little kid. I had like a disorder that we didn't realize that I had and it was the reason why people were being confused by what I was doing. I started noticing the girls spending time together when they didn't have to. And I started hearing singing coming from the bathroom. I found them brushing their teeth while also singing along to the theme song of their favorite show, One Day at a Time, the reboot. They also do a whole skincare routine together, voluntarily. And they talk about the diagnosis. There's this memory that we used to always look back on because of my dyslexia, but now we also look back on it because of her ASD. So it was one, uh, we were really small, and um, you would read stories to us. Book club. Um, that's definitely something that's memorable. We would always have a book club right before bed. So I was always like, I don't know why, but I always wanted to read the story. But I would get stuck on a word and I'd be like trying really hard to sound it out and it would take a long time. She had dyslexia and we didn't know that at the time. So she would be reading very, very slowly and trying to sound out words. And I would just get really frustrated. And so she would be in the middle of sounding out a word. And I would just be like, oh my God. And then just like say the word. And I would just like take the book and start reading it because I was just like so like bored of just sitting there waiting for her to finish. And sometimes I would say like, I was really close, even if I wasn't just because I didn't want her to justify her cutting in. Um, And we would have to explain to her every time, like you would have to tell her every time to not do that because I was trying. And uh, but she would she wouldn't really understand and she would just do it anyway. I just didn't understand the thought of, like, let her try, let her try and figure it out. You know, it's good. I thought we're trying to read a book and it would be faster and better if I read it. So I don't understand why we're just waiting for her to read it. 
eventually we had to do separate story time because it was like we were just both getting really frustrated with each other but like that's a memory that we looked back on and we originally looked back on it because of my dyslexia because if we would only look at it as like I was having trouble reading and Leona seemed to read was able to read more than I could even though she was two years younger but now we look back on it because Leona didn't seem to pick up on how much it annoyed me that she kept saying the word when I was eventually going to figure it out. Over the next few weeks, our home started sounding less like a door slamming convention and more like this. <laughs> what are you guys doing? We're, We're looking through my scrapbook from first grade. You know when they like give you a bunch of stuff to stick in here? <laughs> Okay, hooray for books by Leona. Oh, this is going to be fun. Okay, <laughs> what I like to read about, circle what you like to read. Animals, sports, airplanes, people, outer space, the ocean. You did not read one book about outer space. I also like to read about rocks. Oh, I actually remember that phase. Yeah, I had a thing for rocks. One of my favorite books is I think Adora's being really good at just kind of realizing that my mind works differently than hers and differently than everybody else's. And um, she's doing a really good job at just kind of like being accommodating. I'm trying to be more aware of when I'm doing something wrong. If she's mad at me or if anybody's mad at me, I try and figure out why. So kind of what I've learned and what I've been trying is if I do something that's like wrong and people get mad at me I kind of try and figure out like a pattern like oh they got mad at me this time and the same thing and they got mad at me again for the for a similar situation this time and I look for the similarities and I kind of go okay then maybe I shouldn't do this when this happens. I can hardly believe this, but once stores were open again, they spent an entire day together checking out thrift shops. And they both said it was fun. I need another kind of version of a headband. What color did you get? Blue. I got black, so that goes with different outfits. Yeah. Sister bonding time. We went shopping together, which we would not normally do because she would like make a comment or something and then I would get mad at her and then I would not want to shop with her. But now she knows because I have told her not to make any comments really. So it was just like a really good experience. We just went thrifting for like hours and she knows that I am really tricky to get clothes for because I have a lot of sensory issues when it comes to fabrics especially so when I find something that I like and I'm comfortable with she's like happy that I'm that I actually found it so she was very patient with me at the store while I was looking for something that I liked and she definitely wasn't just annoyed that we were there for so long which I definitely really appreciated we kind of work harder to try and listen to the other one. Something clicks for me as I hear this. Suddenly, Leona's laundry emergency, I get it. She's so affected by fabric that it's not about having something clean to wear during COVID when she's not going anywhere anyway. It's about needing to have something that's clean and comfortable to wear, 
With her ASD, she has sensitivities. The right fabric can have a huge impact on how she's going to feel as she tries to get through yet another day stuck at home. So for her, it is actually a laundry emergency. Things are starting to click for Adora, too. So now when she says something, I know to not take it too personally, um, which does really help because that means like when I spend time with her, I'm not like taking all these hits because I know that they're not actually all hits. And I like hanging out with her. And yeah, she's really nice. It Like even uh, if some of the things she said so- sounds a bit harsh, she is ultimately trying to say something nice like when she says my hair is dry it's not because she's trying to insult me it's because she just wants to let me know so I can do something about it she really doesn't like heat she has a very low heat tolerance she did my hair up uh once during this pandemic which is really great because I'm so clueless and she's getting really good at it so she's starting to help me no head up turn to the side so then after I put curl butter in your hair, put that in, then after that I put moisture lock and now I'm running through it with gel. You won't stop moving your hair. Okay, blow dry. In the thick of it, I couldn't imagine things turning around like this especially in a relatively short period of time. But for Delia, the youth and family counselor, it's no surprise. You know, they'll fight hard, but they'll love big too. And so that's what we have to put our faith in, that that they will come around to that love. It's like, I just don't want to be alone anymore, so I might as well talk to you. And then, oh, I talk to you and I discover I actually like you. And I remember that I actually like you. So maybe we can hang out a little bit more and and then the rest is history. Okay, well, not completely history. There was an eruption here the other night. Early evening, though, not 1 a.m., and this battle wasn't about laundry. It was about getting into the bathroom. But the good news is it didn't last long. They sorted it out. No one came to me angry, and it was all over before we knew it. Things are getting better. When she's, like, really sad and, like, crying over a test or crying over homework, I will try to either like give her space or just be nicer and calmer to her. Whereas before I just like wouldn't understand why I needed to act differently. And I just be like, she's mad. Okay. That changes her life. It doesn't change mine. You know, I'm learning as I go. I've only started like therapy and working on social skills and working on understanding my autism recently so I'm definitely still learning if I see that she's in a bad mood it's probably not a good idea to like um ask to do laundry at that time I learned that if she is in a bad mood um I am not going to ask to do laundry she always gets very mad at me for that and I know that because I did it like yesterday Still learning. Still learning. These days, when I need to separate them, it's not because they're arguing. They're hanging out and losing track of time. I thought you guys said you had homework. Too much homework tonight. This is the break. (laughs) 
and they're back to directing their sass at me instead of at each other, especially when I'm eavesdropping on them with a microphone in my hand. We're doing your homework for you right now. What does that mean? This is your homework. This is your job. (laughs) Sherry OKK. That doc was produced by Sherry. It was edited by Allison Cook, Veronica Simmons, and me, AC Rowe. To check out Sherry's Peabody-nominated podcast, Mic Drop, which is all about teens, head to cbc.ca slash mic drop. Today, two stories about the secret life of the Canadian teenager. Or for the sake of our next story, tweenager. When Doc Project senior producer Jennifer Warren was a wee tween back in the late 80s, she had her own hair adventure. One she really could have used the help of a sister like Leona to fix. But instead, Jen had her own, much more mockery-oriented family. Though, they maybe had a point. Here's Jen. The night before my grade 6 school photo was taken, I went to the hairport. Not the airport, the hairport. The hairport was a hair salon set up in an extra room of the house across the road. On the sign for the hairport, there was an airplane taking off, as if to suggest that any haircut you might get at the hairport would be a nonstop flight to a better, more glamorous you. At least that's what I was hoping for. A whole new me. Puberty had just hit, and it hit hard. I had a new, potato-shaped body, an oily face, and to make matters worse, my fine blonde hair had transformed into a mass of wiry frizz. So I walked across the road to the hairport. I went in and told the hairdresser that I wanted my hair all one length. Here's what I pictured. The kind of artful bob that you would see in Vidal Sassoon ads Something that said, I may be stuck in Utterson, Ontario now, but my hairstyle shows that I have much bigger and better things in store for me. So hairport lady got to cutting. And cutting. Then buzzing. Donna was suddenly using electric clippers on the bottom half of my head. Ten minutes later, I walked out of hairport. A whole new me. Well, I suppose you could compare it to a wedge of cheese, really, but it was, it was quite a change. <laughs> That's my mom. And this is my sister, Leslie. Yeah, it looked like, you know, if someone had drawn a cartoon of a triangle in three dimensions and stuck it on your head, and then this kind of triangular wedge. But it was really funny in a very, very distressing kind of way. Distressing was an understatement. Donna at the airport had followed my instructions. She had cut my aggressively curly hair all one length, which was above my ears. Below my ears, it was buzzed off. But I remember seeing it and being like, ooh, oh, I don't like that, Jen. Was it your idea? Well, 
so it was my idea to have like a whole new look like <laughs> I shouldn't laugh because you couldn't possibly imagine that as your whole new look there's just no way it, it was solid yeah. miniature people could have ski jumped off of that I walked out of the airport more upset more ashamed more humiliated than I ever had been in my life and it was at this point I was voluntold to play the lead role in the school play. It was called The Enchanted Journey. The Enchanted Journey is a modern-day version of The Pilgrim's Progress, a Christian allegory in which a pilgrim, unoriginally named Christian, has to suffer all kinds of trials before getting into heaven. It's also a musical. And I had eight years of dance class on my side. Ballet, which I hated. So I knew a thing or two about trials. My performance in The Enchanted Journey has become a legend of sorts. Oh, was that the one with the burden of sin? For almost all of the play, including some dance numbers, I carried a literal burden on my back. It's a burden of sin that my character, Christian, has to lug around for most of the play until it's removed in a big tearjerker ballad near the end. In rehearsal, there was a lot of back and forth over what exactly a burden of sin should look like from a wardrobe standpoint. It started out as a backpack. But that just looked like a backpack. So the mom who was in charge of the costumes tried a bigger backpack. Then a regular cushion. Then a sofa cushion. Finally, the costume mom found something that was burdeny enough. Your burden of sin was a beanbag chair that was sort of carefully strapped on by one of the teachers in a way, I don't even know what she strapped it on with, but it was strapped on in a way so it would stay on your back. It was a full-sized beanbag chair from someone's rec room, strapped onto my back with mountain climbing straps, which went with the overall theme, because this musical was set in the mountains, and I was also wearing lederhosen. Like, I just, like, who comes up with these ideas? And you had the ski jump hairdo. So you had the ski jump hairdo, the lederhosen, and the beanbag burden. Oh, Jen. After months of rehearsal, through some miracle, or maybe divine intervention, opening night was a smash success. I felt triumphant. You had this star role. Everybody was quite serious about how, what a great job you had done. But the next night, something went very wrong. I was in a big instrumental dance number, gathering flowers that were being handed to me by kindergartners in angel costumes. And I could feel the burden of sin sliding down my back, a little at a time. I could feel it touching my butt, and then I could feel it touching the backs of my thighs. This was more than a wardrobe malfunction. The burden of sin was a plot device and it was going rogue. You were trying to keep this burden of sin from falling off your back while you were, you know, very earnestly doing this role. 
Oh dear. <laughs> it fell off on stage when I was still technically a sinner. I ran frantically backstage while yelling out my lines, and as the replacement wardrobe mom yanked the straps back around me, with the principal holding the beanbag chair in place, I could hear waves of laughter rolling through the audience. But as they say in the world of theatre, the show must go on. With a stiff upper lip and a crooked burden, I went back out on that stage and finished what I had started. Do you think that anything good came out of these humiliating experiences? Yeah, I do. I think it's because prior to that, it was the dance years. And you hated dance. You hated it so much. You hated all of the crap that went along with being a little girl in dance. And so then it was kind of gambling around with a beanbag on your back whilst wearing later hosen. You'd be like, oh, this is better. So, but here's the question. Did, did you actually enjoy doing it? I didn't just enjoy doing it. I loved doing it. And here's the thing. There was another unconventional decision that had been made. Before the burden and the later hosen. The decision to cast me as the lead, given that Christian is supposed to be a boy. I don't think I would have gotten the part unless my hair had been short like that. Thanks to the enchanted journey, I believed that I was worth more than my epic fail of a haircut. And when an epic fail did happen, it wasn't about that anyway. It was about a beanbag chair and gravity and how funny a bunch of Christian parents found it when somebody's sin just slid right off their back. We have so much fun from this, Jennifer. <laughs> well, I'm glad it brought someone some amusement. Oh, yes, all well, thanks to the witch. <laughs> That piece was produced by Jennifer Warren. It was edited by me. To see a photo of The Wedge and some, I'd say, equally questionable haircuts that preceded it, head to our website. We're at cbc.ca slash docproject. These days, Jen is looking very forward to seeing her current hairdresser again, who has never once made her look like cheese. That's all for us this week. The Doc Project is produced by Sherry OKK, Allison Cook, Tanera McLean, Kent Hoffman, Andrew Friesen, and me. Althea Manassin is our digital producer. Our senior producer is Jennifer Warren, and our executive producer is Joan Melanson. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.